Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Joelle. And I'm Laura. Today, we are here with licensed clinical social worker, Georgia Jones. Georgia is the founder and director of Chicago Mindful Psychotherapy, located at 5537 North Clark Street. Welcome, Georgia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for coming on and being our guest today. So start off by telling us about the essence of Chicago Mindful Psychotherapy. Give us the elevator pitch, so to speak, for your business. So I started um, using meditation and mindfulness techniques when I was a kid to deal with anxiety. I had a lot of physical symptoms of anxiety. Um, would show up like headaches and insomnia and weird aches and pains. And after all the doctors testing, they um, concluded that it was anxiety and gave me some techniques that I later learned were meditation to deal with it. And it was really, really helpful. So I've been using meditation personally for a long, long time and um, only figured out maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that if it was working for me, it would probably work for other people. So I started using it with my clients, and that's the umbrella, that's our specialty at um, Chicago Mindful Psychotherapy. So each of our staff have their own personal meditation practices, which means we really know what it's like and how hard it is, and also what can happen when you meditate regularly. Um, and so we use it personally, and then that gives us a platform of um, real in-depth knowledge and understanding in order to use it with clients. So since this podcast is called Always Andersonville, why did you decide to open your business here in Andersonville, and what drew you to the neighborhood? A few things. So I have actually been in this neighborhood in one form or another for almost 20 years, probably um, close to 18 years. And um, I've seen it go through a lot of changes. So when I was looking to start my own practice, I specifically wanted our practice to have a family feel. We're located in what used to be a former condo. So if you walk in, it actually does feel like a former condo and less um, clinical and medical. And um, Andersonville itself really felt like a community in that same way. So I walk up and down the street. I run into people I know all the time. Um, I see them at events and um, all of the things that you guys do here, summer walk and wine walk. And um, so it feels like a small town, even though we have all the benefits of the multitude of cultures and the diversity and access to everywhere else in the city. You're also the co-director of the Mindfulness Clinic. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about mindfulness and what your clinic offers? So the mindfulness clinic is specifically education on different types of meditation and how to integrate that into everyday life. So we provide specific seminars and workshops on mindfulness for teachers, mindfulness for parents, mindfulness for kids, um, mindfulness for depression, or specific issues and populations. So if someone was listening today and wanted to start meditating more or practicing mindfulness, what would you recommend as a first step? Like for instance, is there a book you would recommend to someone new to meditation? Um, that's a great question. I, I actually recommend that people start by bringing a mindful attitude to things that they're already doing. And I like to start with things that they're already doing habitually, like brushing their teeth or picking up the phone. 
So um, I teach what a mindfulness attitude is and sort of how to taste that so that you know when you're sort of sinking into that. And then um, I like to pair it with things so that people don't, it's not adding something to people's to-do lists. It's not um, something that people are going to feel resentful of having to give up time that they don't have. It's just a different way of relating to the things that you're doing already. So, And I like to um, teach people how to do it in real life as opposed to reading about it. Um, when I first started meditating, I knew that if I picked up a book, I would intellectualize the whole thing. And I would think that I was having the experiences that they were describing in the book, even though I might not be. Um, so I actually didn't read anything about mindfulness um, for the first probably six years. And then at a certain point, I thought it might be a good idea to get some more professional, quote unquote, training. So I found a meditation teacher and... Um, and then I discovered that the experiences I was having without reading anything about it were actually very similar to the experiences that anyone has when they start meditating in basically any style, too. So there's a lot of ways to integrate it, but I like to just do it. So, for example, if I were to start meditating, like you said, when I was brushing my teeth, what would be the first step that you would instruct me on? How, how would I clear my mind or focus on something that would be considered the first step of meditation. Mm -hmm. So the first step is to decide what you're going to focus on. So the basic definition of mindfulness is um, bringing concentration, so a certain amount of focus, clarity, so that's deciding what you're going to focus on in any given moment, um, and an attitude of equanimity or interest, curiosity, non-judgment to whatever it is that you're experiencing. So the first step in toothbrushing is to decide what you're going to focus on. So you're going to focus on the feel, you know, in your mouth and your teeth and gums. Are you going to focus on the sound? You can also focus on things not related to toothbrushing and just use that as a cue to start being in a mindful place. So you can focus on your thoughts. You can focus on your body sensations. So decide something and then just gently keep your concentration there as much as you can for the duration of the toothbrushing. So when you, when you get distracted or your focus is on something else, which it will be, um, that's okay. And it's an opportunity to bring your focus back to whatever you decided. And each time you do that, you're building your concentration muscle. You're building your clarity muscle. And as long as you're doing that without getting mad at yourself for getting distracted, then you're also building that equanimity muscle. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, your therapy practice and maybe how many practitioners you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so right now there are uh, 11 of us and we have two advanced clinical interns that are finishing up their stay with us. Um, and our practice, we provide individual and couples therapy, mostly for adults. We do see some teens and we have lots of groups. Um, People always ask what groups are all about. And in a nutshell, groups are um, a more efficient and cheaper way to learn the same skills. And also, the big benefit of groups is that you know for sure you're not alone. So we have a group, um, for example, called Well Fed, which is about changing your relationship to food and noticing how you might use food to fulfill other needs, um, like needs for connection or comfort. Um, and 
So a lot of people feel a lot of shame around their relationship to food or have questions about whether what they're doing is normal or not. And in a group, you really learn that you're not alone. And almost everything that people do, it's um, other people do too. So it really decreases the amount of um, aloneness and shame. And um, I wish more people would be open to joining a group because there's a lot of benefit to it. It's not just sitting around listening to other people complain about their lives, <laughs> which is a big fear. It's also not public speaking. You're not put on the spot. Um, it's not like what I'm doing right now, which causes a lot of anxiety. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's more like a bunch of friends, you know, together in a room um, with a leader that's there to make sure that one person isn't bogarting the conversation um, and that everybody's needs are getting met. But they're a lot of fun, and almost all of them focus on applying mindfulness to some particular area of people's lives. So all of us... Um, specialize in mindfulness and we um we use it to teach skills for people to feel better and to live live with more ease um so to feel less alone to feel less anxious to feel less depressed um yeah that's what we do excellent so we were checking out your website as well and we noticed that you have a blog um and i know topics on there recently have been about loneliness and emptiness and uh I don't know if you want to speak a little bit to that, but also if you have any topics coming up that we should look out for for the spring. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that sounds like a really depressing blog that nobody would want to read. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I definitely want to give more clarity around that. So um, the blog is mostly me and some of my staff talking about our own experiences. And it does come from a mindfulness perspective but it also comes from a very personal relational perspective. And so the January and February blogs that you're referencing, um, winter in Chicago is really hard for me. It's a really dark time. It's freezing. I hate going outside. Um, and so, and I think a lot of people have that experience. And so I think a lot of people end up feeling isolated, um, or more depressed during this time. And so the blogs on emptiness and loneliness um, and void are really about seeing that experience through a new lens um, where when you get pretty deep into meditation or sometimes people have these experiences right off the bat too, um, you can have an experience of emptiness that's the same as unity. It's, um, it doesn't feel like you're alone because there's not a sense of separate self. Um, so there's sort of an, there is an emptiness there, but it's very freeing and actually, um, you get sort of like a lightness feeling about you, um, as opposed to that heavy depressed feeling. So, um, I suggest you read the blogs. I do a much better job describing these things in writing than I do, uh, when I'm speaking, but, um, I thought that was a theme that was fitting and that a lot of people might relate to, um, but also giving some hope. And so our spring blogs, um, the one that just came out a couple days ago, actually, our our March blog, is about how love and connection, that thing that we're seeking when we're feeling lonely, um, can actually be found all around us in all sorts of seemingly ordinary ways that people wouldn't normally think of. So it doesn't just have to be in, you know, the standard culturally acceptable, romantic partnered sort of way to feel love. 
Um, so the blog explores lots of very ordinary experiences, many of which I actually have in Andersonville as a part of this community, um, at where you can feel connected without that. So we're going to expand on that theme and talk a little bit more about relationships and different forms of relationships throughout the spring. Um, and now, what other services do you offer as an adjunct to therapy? So we have um, a therapist who is also an amazing, amazing um, yoga teacher. She also does um, healing energy work and Reiki. And right now, um, I can't speak highly enough about her. She herself would is so humble. She would never say these things, but she... It's, it's really kind of amazing what she can do um, for people to accelerate their healing and their um, being free from the things that are like past traumas or things that are weighing them down, including physical traumas like concussions or accidents. So, um, so she does that. We are also just beginning to offer um, a monthly yoga class that's targeted just toward other healers in you know, that can make it here. So a lot of Andersonville practitioners, um, and Diana will be teaching that class. And, um, I requested that she teach that class for selfish reasons because healers tend to absorb a lot of, um, their clients pain. And this will be one way to, um, very intentionally let go and release that each month. So those are the other services right now. We're also off opening a second location in the West Loop and hope to have a much wider range of services down there soon as well. Congratulations. Thanks. So what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love to garden, so I probably would want to do something with flowers, um, arranging flowers, growing flowers, um, I always have some flowers bought right here in Andersonville on my desk at work. Um, so I've always liked that, the visual aspect. Yeah, I like, to, I like to go to Gethsemane a lot just for the fun of it, even if I'm not buying anything. <laughs> just sort of wander through and admire their beautiful displays. Yeah. Great. Um, so we're doing something fun in this March month here. Um, so we have launched for the first time ever the Andersonville Icons Bracket, sort of March Madness style, if you're familiar with that. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a question in spirit of the bracket. And quick thing, first thing that comes to mind, would you pick Swedish pancakes or anything with falafel? Pancakes. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, Georgia, thank you for being here and sharing your story. For more information about Georgia and her team of practitioners, you can email her at info at chicagomindful.com or visit www.chicagomindfulpsychotherapy.com. Thanks so much. For more information about Georgia and her practice, please refer to our show notes, which are posted on the andersonville.org blog. Blog posts will go up the same day that this episode airs. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is engineered and edited by Andy Miles in Studio C at Transistor, a gallery, shop, performance, recording, and teaching space located at 5224 North Clark Street. Have your own podcast idea? The studio is available to rent. Please call 872-208-5877 or stop by the store for details.